0: Welcome to her Half of History, an Evergreen podcast. My name is Lori. I am currently on research break because series 11, The History of Girlhood, is over, and series 12, The Last Queen, is still in the works. Today, I am bringing you an interview I did last year with Kelly Chase of the History Detective podcast. Kelly is a history teacher in Australia, and her podcast was born out of the challenges of teaching online during the pandemic. I love that her episodes are short and engaging, and they include lots and lots of women. Past episodes have discussed women from Livia Drusilla, Empress of Rome, to Ada Blackjack, the Arctic Survivor, to Tara Norrer, a Tasmanian who led attacks against the British colonists. Kelly also has a wonderful book called History, Her Story, Our Story. It features women from all across the world and all across the timeline in a super readable and engaging way. With special resources for teachers and students, and history lovers like myself. I've placed a link to where you can get it in the show notes and also on the website for this episode. You should definitely check it out. And now, over to Kelly.
1: Hi, this is Kelly Chase, and today is a very special episode of History Detective. I had the honor of interviewing Laurie Davis, writer, researcher, host, and producer of her Half of History podcast. As you may know, if you follow me on Instagram at History Detect, or if you've signed up to my newsletter, there's a link in the show notes, I'm just about to publish my first book called History, Her Story, Our Story, Inspirational Women Who Shaped Our World. Needless to say, Her Half of History podcast is right in my wheelhouse. I've listened to every single episode and I've learned so much from Laurie. The episodes are a perfect length for me, around 20 minutes. And Laurie's depth of research is fantastic. You may have heard the Harriet Tubman episode that I dropped a few weeks ago, and I've popped a link in the show notes to Laurie's podcast. Just a little bit about Laurie Davis. She's a legal editor by day and a freelance podcaster, writer and musician by night. She's originally from the southwest of the United States, but adult life has moved her through several US states, plus Germany and Scotland. Since 2021, she's been writing and producing the podcast, Her Half of History, which covers women's history in short episodes, organised around a theme for each series, like women who seized power or women who escaped slavery, which is one of my favourites, and women in espionage. And the subject that consumed most women's lives in history the history of housework, which is fascinating. Laurie currently lives in Missouri with her husband, daughter, and of course, a large collection of books. Welcome to History Detective. Laurie, it is an honor to have you on the show. I have listened to every one of your podcasts and I've learned so much from you. So thank you very much for giving women's history love out into the world. Firstly, I want to know, what's your history with history? When did you first catch the history bug?
2: I can't remember not loving history. It has always seemed to me to be the greatest adventure story ever. There's something in it for everyone, whether you like politics or science or whether you want sword fights or true love, whatever it is that you want, you can find it in history. And there's often a lot of complaints that history is boring because it's just names and dates. And I always think, oh, how much you've missed because the names and the dates are the trivial stuff. It's the stories between those names and dates that make history great.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. When my students talk about history and think, oh, I have to learn the names and the dates, that is the least important thing you have to learn with history. You have to learn the reliability of sources and making judgments about whether this is true and whether this corroborates with this information and how to piece a real story together from the evidence. And the names and the dates are just background context, aren't they? You
2: sound like a great teacher, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: Thank you. So what made you start the podcast?
2: I had listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of history podcasts, and I'd always thought, oh, how fun would that be? But the way that you think about things that you don't actually intend to do, it just sounds fun. Until COVID hit, I still had the job, didn't have as much time on my hands as many people, but I'd always done side things, especially with music, and all of that was canceled. So I had time on my hands, and podcasting seemed to be the outlet that would work, and that environment. And of course now all of that other stuff has come back into my life. So it's a busy schedule trying to keep up with all of it, but I love doing it. It's been great. The podcast.
1: I did actually want to ask you about your music because I heard you singing on one of your episodes and you have a beautiful voice. What do you do with your music in your spare time?
2: So I am classically trained on voice, violin and piano. Wow. So I do sing in a professional choir here, but I also take gigs, you know, at churches or I actually did a funeral just this morning, things like that. My daughter and I are also getting into fiddling to do some more of the folk music scene as well. So that's pretty exciting. So
1: did you compose your theme music? music and play your theme music?
2: I didn't compose it. I found a female composer from the 19th century who did that, but I did record it, the violin and the piano. So
1: that's you. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you.
2: I think it's so interesting that you have in your podcast, you know, something special that I don't think anybody else is doing, which is original music about history.
1: I love using music in the history classroom to engage the students and I wanted to originally do a podcast that unpacked songs about history but then I realised that there's copyright issues. Yes, yes, there are. (laughs) So I just thought, oh, what about if I tap into this old skill set that I have and write my own songs? It is really time consuming but yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's fun. So you started the podcast in January, 2020, and now have more than 80 episodes, which is absolutely epic for a one woman podcast in a matter of, is it two years almost? What's your process for researching, writing, and producing your episodes?
2: Well, I do mine thematically. So each series has a number of episodes based around one theme. And the first step is always to come up with a theme for the next series, which I never have any trouble doing. I have a very long list of future themes to cover. And these days, I actually uh, let my Patreon subscribers vote on which one to do. Once I have a theme, I have to start dividing it out into the episodes, though that remains in flux pretty much until the last episode is published. So I need a good survey book on the subject to figure out who are the major players in that area, who should I cover, or what subject should I cover. Fortunately, I live near fantastic libraries. So I go on the online catalog and I put in a request for everything they've got. I take it all out. Usually that means more books than I can safely carry as I get back out. And then of course the internet is wonderful too. There are, you know, the internet archive and JSTOR and there are many other sources. And as I'm reading, I take lots of notes until I feel like I've got a handle on the subject for that particular episode. And then I start writing by hand on a tablet so that I can import it later. That's my preferred process. I just spend so much time on the computer at work anyway. So it's nice to do something that's not on it. And then once it's written and edited, it's time to record.
1: So I usually end up, recording about once a week. I love that you write by hand. That is just amazing to me.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't I would not have expected it until <laughs> I just thought I just can't sit here on this keyboard any longer.
1: <laughs> also Jstor, I'm a big fan of Jstor. I think that's an excellent resource. How
2: many libraries
1: do you have in your city?
2: Well, so I am in St. Louis, which is in the center of the United States, so my my home library system is the St. Louis County Library System, and it's pretty good, but I also have access to the St. Louis City Library System, which is excellent. It's been very well funded for, well, okay, it's an old city by American standards. You know, people in Europe would laugh at me, but the library system has been there for a long time by our standards, so they've had a long time to, to collect this historical stuff. And then I also have a university library that I have access to. Oh, so, you know, yeah. it just adds up. If I can't find it in one place, I usually can find it in one of the others.
1: Oh, that's really lucky. I live in like a small town, so we've only got the one okay. library and it's it's right. okay. It's fine. Right. Right. <laughs> but the internet is a saviour for me. I did see that you posted on social media about one of your libraries was not getting funding or something.
2: Yes, I was quite upset when our local legislative body. They threatened to cut the funding for the library system down to zero. It wasn't just a little budget cut. It was down to zero. But fortunately, they have seen the error of their ways.
1: (laughs) Who threatens a library? (laughs) Honestly.
2: Oh, it, it was all politics. I don't think they were ever really going to do it, but they were mad about a completely unrelated issue. And so they said, all right, we'll just cut funding from the library. And I thought, that did not, it did not make them popular. Let me say that. It did Let's not.
1: take away the books from people. That seems like a good solution. Well, I'm glad that that is all fixed. Me too. I love the way that you group your seasons. Do you have a season that you found most surprising or interesting to research?
2: Comfort for a discouraged housewife, for sure. That one's on the history of housework. A little ironic since I basically gave up doing housework in favor of podcasting. Uh, But I did that one and I felt strongly about doing it because so much of women's history focuses on the extraordinary women and all that they accomplished. And that's important. It's great. We need that. We need to know who those women were. But most of the women in history weren't that extraordinary They were just ordinary and they didn't leave enough records for us to write a biography, but that doesn't mean their lives weren't of value and interest. So this series was in honor of those women who spent their lives caring for their own home and family and how they did it. And it was a lot more interesting than cleaning my own house.
1: I love that series. That was so interesting and just fascinating, the nuances of housework in history. I I loved also your season on clothing, which was your first season. I've just read a book about sports bras, the history of sports bras. It didn't come into into use until about
2: the 70s. It's so new, so new. And then now it's just a thing you put on without even thinking about where it came from or the fact that so many women didn't have that.
1: I know. I would be devastated if I didn't have a sports bra. (laughs) Apparently it was made from two jock straps that she fashioned. and Oh really? I did not know that. And one of her flatmates or friends worked as a seamstress for the Jim Henson workshop and sewed it together into a sports bra for her so she could do long distance running. That's a fantastic story. The book is called Unleash the Girls. I will have
2: to look into it.
1: I know we're not meant to have favourites, but one of my favourite episodes of yours is from the Women in Espionage series. It's the Chinese spy from World War II. Can you say her name for me? I don't want to butcher it. Yes, (laughs) Zhang Pingru. And
2: I hope that any Chinese people listening won't be judging my accent either.
1: Is there a woman or women that you researched that really spoke to you and hold a special place in your heart? It is
2: hard to choose, but I also chose one from the Women in Espionage series And her name was Noor Inayat Khan. There's really no one else with her life story. She was born in Russia to an Indian father and an American mother. She was raised as a Sufi mystic in the middle of Catholic France. Just cannot possibly have fit in very well. When World War II came around, she and her family had to think about their pacifist principles, which they believed in very strongly. And maybe that meant they shouldn't fight against Nazis, even though they were invading and they knew you know, some terrible things that were happening. But after discussion, they decided that it was the right thing to do. So the family made it to England, Nor signed up as a spy, and at great personal risk came back to France to work for the British. And she accomplished great things, but she was eventually caught and executed, partly because she would not stop. She had actually been ordered to come back to Britain, but she said, no, there's more I can do. There's more I can do to help. And so she stayed. It was really a great story of sticking to your convictions. She had decided what she thought was right, and she did it, regardless of the cost.
1: Yeah, I also find it fascinating that she came from so many different ideological backgrounds and then was born into a time of conflict where you have to decide where you want to go with your ideologies and who you want to follow. That's an excellent episode too. So often in history, if we do hear about a woman, it's from a place of privilege and power. I love that the seasons that you have are about slaves who became free or about everyday clothes for women. But what challenges do you encounter when you're trying to share these less dominant historical perspectives?
2: It's difficult. Traditional history gets a bad reputation for focusing so much on rich white men. But to be honest, there's a very practical reason why they do that. And that's because those are the people who left records. And without records, you don't have history. You have nothing to talk about it. Then on top of that, there's also the fact that even if there are records, they may not be translated and published and made accessible to me with the languages that I speak. So when I'm planning a series, I do a lot of internet searching for the women who aren't likely to have a full-length biography in my local library. And sometimes I find women to cover. And sometimes it's a real struggle. For example, I don't feel like I have enough African women represented, but I find that when I'm searching based on my location in the United States, the internet search engines always think that I want to look at African American women. And I do want to cover their stories and I do, but trying to convince it that I want something from the actual (laughs) continent of Africa is extremely hard. And then for the series that are more social histories than biographies at all, it just it is more research. If you're covering an extraordinary woman, you can often get just one biography and you have all the information you need. I probably flipped through a couple others just to make sure there isn't some wildly different approach to her life. But that, that's really all you have to do. Whereas for social history, you know, you're picking bits and pieces out of different books and different sources to try to put it together into a coherent story. But I really do love doing it. The social history is my favorite, actually.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. It's fascinating finding out how people lived or how things came into being that we take for granted now. I love that you publish your scripts and sources on your website? Because as a history teacher, I find that really useful for my students to be able to see where the information came from and what sources were used and how you corroborated your evidence to come up with the story that you have presented to your audience. I know from personal experience, it's a time consuming process, but some podcasts just upload their audio and just go with that. What made you decide to add transcripts? Initially, I
2: didn't have transcripts. I thought, as you say, that that would be a lot of work and I wasn't ready for it. But in my very first episode, when the only audience I had was people I knew personally, Mm -hmm. I had someone ask from that very one, well, can't I just read it? She didn't want to listen. I don't understand not wanting to listen because I feel like there's just so much of your life that you spend doing things that are kind of boring and listening to something would be helpful, I find a lot of people don't want to listen. And so eventually, after I felt a little more confident with my process, I realized that for me, at least in the way that I do my podcast, it is pretty doable. I'm writing everything out anyway. It was mostly an editing problem to put up the transcript. And now when I'm editing the audio, I just have the written transcript up next to it, and I'm kind of editing both as I go along. So by the time I have the audio recording, I also have the transcript. I can just copy and paste it onto the website, add a few links, add a few pictures, and it's good to go.
1: Yeah, it's so fantastic. And it also makes it accessible for people who are hearing impaired, which I think is wonderful.
2: Yes, yes, that, that's a good point.
1: So what important advice would you give a young woman who is studying history?
2: Well, I'd say look for the women. They really were there and they really were contributing all the way along. They weren't just passive objects in history. But if you mean more professionally and academically, I would say that history sometimes is seen as as less important. It doesn't maybe prepare you for a specific career. But you may just need to remind people that a degree in history prepares you to read and to research and to write clearly. And there are lots of jobs where those skills are applicable. I have one of those. And there are also lots of non-traditional ways to be involved in history, like podcasting. So I'd say don't don't give up the history. The history is, is very valuable.
1: That's an interesting point about your job needing historical skills and research. How do you relate those two? You're in the legal profession, correct? Yes,
2: I'm not a lawyer, but I'm in legal publishing and it's editing. But one of the skills that I was able to show with my degree is that I wrote a lot for my history degree. And so it's writing, it's editing, it's communicating. That is a value. There are many jobs where what they need is a good communicator. And I think history can be good preparation for that. Well,
1: thank you so much for giving up your time to come on my podcast and giving up your time Don't twice. you for having me. Because I forgot to press record the first time. So where can people find you?
2: My website is herhalfofhistory.com. And you can find the podcast in any of the podcast apps, wherever you get them. And you can also find me on social media. It's at her underscore half on Twitter or at her half of history on Facebook or
1: Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your podcast. I have learned a lot from you. Thank
2: you. And I've learned a great deal from yours too. You've given me ideas for future series.
1: (laughs) Have a good evening. And have a good day to you.
2: Um,
1: just whose truth will it be, hers or his story, maybe just a little bit in between.
0: A huge thank you to Kelly for this interview. Please check out her other work. Her book is called History, Her Story, Our Story. If you're looking for her podcast or YouTube channel, it's called History Detective. She's on social media at X, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find direct links to all of that in my show notes or on my website, herhalfofhistory.com. While you are checking out Kelly's content, I am hard at work researching Last Queens. But I will be sending you some more interim episodes, so please stay subscribed, and if you're new around here, check out the back catalog. Thanks!